This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to another bonus episode of Green and White. We're diving in for a few bonus pods to find out more about our January signings and speaking to fans of clubs they've played for previously. The podcast with Ben Wayne and Saxon Early have gone down incredibly well, according to the feedback at least, and I'm delighted to bring you two more. One for Callum Wright and one for Jay Matete. And, obviously, whilst we were recording one for Jay, Tyreek Wright was announced by the club. And we're trying to line up a Bradford fan for that. I'm delighted to welcome Graham from What The Folk Podcast, an independent pod all about Sunderland AFC to discuss Argos' most recent signing, that of 21-year-old midfielder Jay Matete on loan until the end of the season. Hi, Graham. Hello. Thanks for having me, mate. Pleasure to be here. Appreciate you coming on. Before we get down to the business of discussing Argos' new edition, talk us through Sunderland's season so far since their promotion. And uh, give us a gauge of what the championship is like this season. That's great. I love it. Um, I think, obviously, you'll know what it's been like in League One. And we were there for four years. And um, Aragon Sunderland fan alert. We hated it. Didn't want to be there. Couldn't stand it. Hated every minute of it. Um, but, of course, when you're there a long time, you kind of forget what the, the level of the championship was like. And you see the players that come from the championship and go up to the Premier League. And you think it's going to be a big jump. And if I'm completely honest with you, apart from 45 minutes against Burnley, no side is like blew us away, let alone made me go, they're not bad. And thankfully a lot of, you know, I think when like, you know, the second tier pod and other podcasts and other like pages ask which teams have given them the best games, you'll see like Sheffield United fans and Burnley fans and um, Norwich fans say, Sunland were decent and, it's been really nice. Like it, it's been tough being a Sunderland fan on a serious note for quite a while because whether you like it or not, historically we're, we're not a League One team. Never have been. Um, sort of a hundred years before me, we weren't. A hundred years after, after we, we might not ever be there ever again. But it was tough, and it felt like we were never getting out of it. And then obviously Alex Neil came in, and I think the big thing about this season is we've had everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. We lost our manager at Stoke. Stoke. Um, of all places to lose your manager to. Um, when he was like on the crest of a wave and had lost one game since he'd arrived in sort of February, which is 
just crazy. And at the time of speaking, it doesn't look like he's moved his talks gone down that well. They don't seem that happy with him, whereas we loved him. So we lost our manager four games in. Um, our striker who hadn't got injured at all last season and was scoring goals the minute he dropped into the championship, bagged loads um, coming in, then got injured for three months. And our other striker got injured and then we got them both back fit. And then our other striker got recalled by Everton. So everything that could have went wrong, went wrong. And yet here we are thinking, you know what? Let's go for the playoffs. And worst case scenario, if we don't make it, no one's going to get upset over it. So hunky-dory, it's just nice to be a Sunderland fan at the moment. And I haven't said that for about, mm, well, I'm 36, so I would say about 35 years. Flying high up in eighth at the moment, obviously. Big comeback against Shrewsbury. Broke, broke their hearts. Uh, obviously, Ross Stewart and Luke, Luke and I. So, yeah, good to see you doing well. Um, and hopefully, with any luck, with any luck, fingers crossed, we'll be there with you soon enough. Uh, that's if you don't go up. Yeah, right, on to the good stuff. Jay Matete, uh, what sort of player is Jay? What will he bring to our side whilst he's on loan in the southwest? Jay's a funny one, really, because he hasn't played that much um, since we brought him in. We brought him in on the January transfer window, like literally the last day, I think it was. Um, there's a very funny video of one of our fanzines who like broke into the academy like the day that he signed, because I don't think people remember this, but Jermaine Defoe arrived on the same day. Um and he, this fanzine basically broke in. It was the funniest moment of last year. He broke into the Academy of Light, was running around the Academy of Light trying to find January transfer uh, deadline sign-ins, seen a guy holding a scarf in the background, ran over live on camera, live on YouTube, went, it's Jermaine Defoe, it's Jermaine Defoe, it's Jermaine Defoe, got to the window, realised it was Jermaine Tete and just went, it's not Jermaine Defoe, um, which was a very, very funny moment. But um, Jake sort of came in, without any real pressure because he was signed on the day Jermaine Defoe signed. And I know that the Defoe thing went wrong, but I think if I rewind back to that time, our manager had been sacked. The way we sign players as recruitment, we have a head coach that does the head coach side of things and, and so on and so forth. I won't bore you with that. Um, and he came in the same day. So it was all about seeing Jermaine Defoe come in and, and Jay came in. And the first sort of three, four games, we didn't play very well. I think we were on... It was a really horrible time in the season, actually. I think we lost at Cheltenham. We lost at home to Doncaster, who were absolutely minging at the time um, on Jermaine Defoe's second debut. And the bright light in those games was Jay coming on and, and performing really well. Um, and then as Alex Neal came in, he, he kind of went a little bit more with a tried and tested middle two, which was Luke Wynayen, um, who's now a centre-half, um, and Corey Evans, who was had a massive upturn in form and... Jade's more of a sitting midfielder, but he can carry the ball forward. Um, one big moment he had in our season last season, which was really important, was he came on as a sub against Oxford. And at the time, I think we were fifth. I think Oxford was sixth. And we were drawing 1-1 one, one, the 89th minute. He won the ball quite high up the field and drove forward really, really well. And we started the move that got us a last-minute winner against, against Oxford. And we had a run of games where I think we scored in the last minute about four or five times and it really, really helped us. And and Jay was great in those like 10 minute cameos of coming on and breaking up play and, and helping us a bit. He's been unfortunate this season in the sense that he hasn't really had game time. Um I think a lot of us kind of thought maybe he wouldn't make the step up. But to be honest, when he's came on, he, he's done well. Um I was going to say, talking of this season, is is there any surprise from yourself or your, or your fan base that he has been loaned out? Because I've seen exactly what you've just said that that when when he's come on, he has looked good. But do you, do you reckon it's just more beneficial for both parties for him to get minutes down at us? 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you go back and you look at players when they go out on loan, historically, I suppose you probably find most players that go out on loan are seen as surplus to requirements. That's why they can go on loan and then they end up leaving. I don't think anyone sees Jay's move as that. I think anyone who watched Jay Matete this season, I think, I can't remember which game he came on, but he came on and played really well and and just kind of harried and tackled high up the pitch and, and kind of won us the ball. I'm trying to remember which game it was. I feel like it was on Sky. Um, I want to say it was Birmingham away, but I could be completely wrong. But he, he actually came on a little bit more towards the games before he went on loan and kind of did the dirty work, which is what he's quite good at. Um, he has got his flaws, don't get me wrong, but I think we expected him not to do that well because there were some fans that didn't really rate him towards the back end of last season. Um, and he he can give the ball away. He's sometimes he's he's. Sometimes he's second touch as a tackle because he's lost the ball. But to be honest, that sounds really harsh. And I know that always sounds bad. But he's a young kid that's learning and he's full of energy. He'll, he'll win the ball for you till, till kingdom come. He loves the yellow card, um, but that's not too much of a problem. I think that's just over-eagerness. But I think him leaving this season, to be honest, um, it's not a surprise massively because I think Tony Mowbray said, look, Unless he's playing every week, he needs minutes. And he does. I think he's like 20, 21. He's played really regular football for Fleetwood. He's came here and not done it as much as he would probably like. That'll be down to age, the fact that our midfield is good. I think the biggest surprise probably came from the fact that if Corey Evans gets injured, Corey's really, really important to us. He's 31, 32. And when he came to Sunderland, he was incredibly injury prone. Touch wood. Um, and I am literally touching wood as we speak. He hasn't been that injured this season, but he's not the kind of player that you would bank on playing 90 minutes week in, week out. And Jay's his only real natural replacement. He's not as good as Corey Evans because he's a different player. He offers something completely different. But some fans, in a selfish way, I suppose, said, well, I wouldn't let Matete go anywhere on loan until we bring in someone that can you know, replace Corey Evans. But I think Plymouth's put a bid in. You're obviously flying high. You're obviously doing really well. Um and I think it'll be really good for Jay to be in a team that's fighting for promotion that he did last season, pick up some um, much-needed experience higher up the league, be in a team that's going to fight for promotion, potentially, hopefully, win a medal when he's there as well next to Bali. And then he can come back to Sunderland, a much different player um, on the crest of a wave. One thing I would say is that I'd be really surprised if, even if he's outstanding for you over these next six months, if we let him go permanently, because I think we definitely see him as someone for the future. That's basically, you know, my next point. Uh, did you see him as a long-term project? Uh, expect him to be a key part of your midfield over the next few years. And and on that, obviously, you mentioned Corey Evans. I know that your injury list this season's been a bit uh, hit and miss. Uh, is there any talk of you bringing in a replacement? Yeah, I think Tony Mowbray spoke about... It's a weird one because he basically said, look, I'm not in charge of the recruitment and he's not, to be fair. We have a recruitment team and um, whatever you think on that, it's worked really well in the past year or so. Um, but he said, you know, I, I can give my opinion and I think we need something else in midfield. And I don't think that's a detriment towards uh, Jay Matete. I really, really don't. I don't think it's a case of saying like, look, I don't think Matete is good enough, so I'll let him go out on loan and get somebody else in. But Jay's really young and I don't know if we can afford to just let him make mistakes in the championship because he'll get punished and that could kill his confidence. I think the loan move's going to be great for him. We had a, a boy that went out on loan, Elliot Embleton. You've probably heard of him, seen him score the goal at Wembley and he came back. He's sadly injured at the moment with a broken ankle, but he um he came back from Blackpool. He had a loan with Blackpool who were um 
I think they went up to the playoffs that year <laughs> ahead of us, uh, which is quite not that funny at the time. But he he went up, he won at Wembley, he came back the year later and last season he scored seven and assisted nine and became a really vital, important part. And when he's played in the championship, he's locked the part. And I think that loan move changed him from being someone who might be all right to like a player that is all right and has actually made the step up to the championship. And I think a lot of Sunderland fans would hope Jamie Tate can do the same. And I think it's not just hope based on you know, you want a good player to come back. I think we've seen enough in Jay to go, you know, there's something there. He's not the finished article. He's not someone who's going to get in the championship team week in, week out. But I think it's probably the best move you could get going to uh, Plymouth because of where you are in the league at the moment. And I think you'll get game time. And I think with regular game time at a club, that is, with all due respect to Fleetwood, not Fleetwood. I think when he was playing for Fleetwood, they weren't in the playoffs like they were. I think if you can go to a club where there's a bit of pressure like Plymouth to win something, get up, have a good season, end the season with a winner's medal, hopefully, and then come back to Sunderland and you can say, right, I can now fight for that place in defensive midfield and I can start making the impact because I'm now playing regular football and look, I'm 21, 22 and I've got a league one winner's medals around my neck. That's what we hope. Um, he seems a really likeable fellow, which is the best thing. Um, I think when the likeable people, it, it makes it even better. But the only bone I've got to pick with him is at Christmas, um, the media team were asking what's your favourite Christmas movie? And he went, oh, what's that one called with a kid? Like, why How? Why do you not know the name of Home Alone? That really weirded me out. But apart from that, he seems pretty sad. <laughs> His welcome interview with, with us, he, he didn't seem... Uh, he seemed like a typical footballer in that he's not... You know, yeah. I like, I like <laughs> fill in the blanks, but yeah. He's, uh, obviously, it's a deal that sees him drop back into League One. You know, how, how, how key was he in your promotion campaign? I suppose he, he didn't probably add as much as he wanted to add and probably not as much as we expected him. I think when he came in, we probably thought he was going to add to the midfield, but it's a case of circumstance and also just like realistic expectations in many ways. I mean, he was on the bench pretty much throughout the season, came on sporadically. He was massive in that winner at Oxford. Like I'll always remember him, no matter what happens in his Sunderland career, I'll always remember him winning that ball in the 90th minute, passing it on to, I think it was, oh, I can't quite remember who it was, but he passed it on to someone and then, uh, it went across, I think it was Ross Stewart, and then the, the ball went across to Embo, who could put the ball in the bottom of the net, win in the last minute. I'll always remember that. Um, he didn't play much of a part, but that's probably unfair on him because it wasn't really necessarily him not playing well. What actually happened was Corey Evans was horrendous for about six months. Um, nobody massively rated him, and everyone was like, oh, God, what have you got here? Alex Neal came in and made him like a championship level Oh, I'm not saying he made him. He's, he's played in the championship a lot, but we've seen what Corey Evans was brought in for, and Corey's now so vital. I can't remember what game it was. I think we played Shrewsbury at home, and I'm pretty certain I could be wrong with this, but I think we dropped Corey Evans to get like because it was Easter weekend, and we give him like a rest basically. Um, and I think we brought Jay in, and we went two 0 up really early doors, all brilliant, and then we conceded two, and our midfield got completely overrun. Um, we scored in the last minute again and it was all alright, it was fine because we brought Corey Evans back on but Corey Evans went on this fantastic run pretty much on the day that Jay signed so you couldn't take Corey Evans out and the one time we did you could see, not so much that it was Matete's fault, far from it, you could see what we missed with um, Corey Evans being there and Corey Evans is so, so vital to us without us really realising how important he is because he's just there to tie stuff up, win the ball. And when he's taken out, you think, oh, he hasn't done much. He's been quiet. And you take him out and you go, oh, God, where's our midfield? Like, 
we did it this season against Cardiff, um, arguably our worst performance of the season, and one of the only performances where I was genuinely quite unhappy. And it wasn't Matete that came in, it was a young boy called Abdul, um, Abdullah Bar that came in, and we played a midfield team of Daniel Abdullah Bar. Both cracking young players, especially Daniel and, and Bars, looked really good the past few weeks. But the midfield got overrun because Corey Evans wasn't there, and we all went, Ugh, Corey Evans missing. So probably like a bit of a victory circumstance that Corey Evans just found his form and became vitally important, and it, that's his position as defensive midfield. But I think the games he's played this season, he hasn't looked... He hasn't up out of um out of place in the championship. He really hasn't. And I know it's hard to judge on five or six sub appearances here and there, but he really hasn't. Um he wins the ball well. He has been brilliant coming on in the past. And the games he's come on, he's come on like the last 15, 20 minutes, and he's just mopped stuff up. He's just Harry tackled, added energy, high up the field, pressed high. Um, and that's been really important. And I think if you scroll back in my um tweet a couple of months ago, I think I tweeted, Can I shock you? I actually really rate Jay Matete. And a lot of people went. Actually, the same, yeah. Like quietly, we've we've gone from going, is he going to be good enough to actually? He's not bad. He adds to the squad, but you know we can cover him at the minute. Probably just we'll probably bring in another midfielder based on what Tony Mowbray is saying at some point. Let him go out. Let him get football. Let him get experience. Let him win a a, a League One winners medal, hopefully, and and let him come back a much better player. I think it makes sense. Yeah, I was to say I witnessed him down at uh, Home Park last season in the nil-nil draw, and uh, having him and Panucci Kamara on the same pitch, it, it felt like I was watching the same guy in two shirts. Like, it, you know, he has this like grace around the pitch, like manages to cover every blade, manages to win, you know, the ball back, not afraid of a tackle, carries the ball really well. And like uh, when he was even rumored to sign, I was just like, there's no chance we're getting Jay Matete, whatever, fine. And then like to to for us to announce it, it feels like an almost perfect replacement for Kamara for us, like and, and how we play and how we set up, it feels like Matete is gonna be that that man who who gets us over the line. It's funny, I remember that game. I completely forgot about it. It was a great game that day because, correct me if I'm wrong, that was like one of those games, Monday, I think it was a Monday on Sky. It was either a Monday or a Sunday. It was something like that, wasn't it? And I, I remember watching it on Sky and it was nil-nil, obviously, and we were under Alex Neal at that point. And I remember it being a game where it was like, just get a result at some point, um, keeping the playoffs and, and sort of stop Plymouth from getting up either further ahead of us or pulling away from us at the time. Um, as it was, I remember that the key battle that day, as you say, was uh, Kamara and um, Matete. And I think a lot of Sunderland fans had pointed Kamara as the player that would be the one to watch. And I think if, in the summer, a few people said, you know, we should go for him because of the way he's like. But if I remember rightly, he just continuously like got at him. And I think he injured him by like kneeing him in the back of the thigh that game and just took him out of the game. And that's that's not really Matete's game. I wouldn't say he's a dirty player, but he's got so much energy and exuberance. It needs to be tamed a little bit. Of course it does, but that's why he's going to Plymouth. And I think, you know, there's some players we've got on loan, like, um, I mean, I can't say Diallo because Diallo's just outstanding. Um, but there's certain players, you know, when you bring a player on loan and then you go, oh, well, you know, that's not perfect. That's not perfect. Oh, I wish he was a bit better at this. Um, you'll get a Jim Matete that will gradually get better, I think. And the things that you are not too sure about him when he first comes are the reason he's with you. Um in the same way that when we bring in players now from the, the Premier League and the player like Jack Clark, we had Jack Clark last year, drove me absolutely mental every single week. Now he's one of our best players in the championship and he's like he looks at like he's you can understand why Spurs paid ten million for him. But he learned his stuff. He he, he kind of honed his um 
his talent a little bit more by playing regular game time alone at Sunderland, and then we signed him permanently, I think. With Matete, yeah, he's going to have flows. That's why he's on loan. That's why he's not playing in the Championship. But his raw abilities, raw talents are absolutely there. Obviously, he's, he's, he's only made one appearance for us coming on at Bolton at the weekend. And just his his uh, introduction just seemed to change the game slightly for us. I'm not going to, you know, wax lyrical and say that he, you know, completely changed it around and got us the three points, which he didn't. But he just looks so, he just looks so much better than the, the options we had on the pitch on the day. So I'm absolutely buzzing to see that. Um, obviously, whilst we've got you, Bally Mumba is obviously on loan from Norwich, a, you know, a Sunderland uh, graduate. What, what do you make of his progression? Not that surprised in a really odd way. Um, but Bali's a really interesting one because Bali got into our team. I think he made his debut at 16 on the first game that we were in League One where we beat Charlton 2 1, um, the like, 96th minute. Um, I won't go back over it. League One wasn't nice, I didn't enjoy it. Um, and the start, um, there's a Netflix documentary you might have seen where there's two blokes who ran the club for a little while. Oh, I've not heard of that. Can you fill me in? Oh, you don't want to watch it. It's rubbish. Um, unless they do another season when we get promoted, that one, that one might be a bit better. But obviously the two guys on that, um, for me, and this is just my opinion, and I think a lot of other Sunderland fans' opinion, but the sole players that were young and talented far too cheap to make a buck to pay for the lift that was broken. Like, it was just dog and duck stuff at points, and it was not befitting of Sunderland Association Football Club in its history. And Bali was probably one of the first players that um, was a victim of that. He, it was really he got in the team with the Jack Ross in the first few games and looked absolutely fine as a sixteen year old. And if he then dropped out the team and came back in and gradually got more and more, but he just dropped out completely and then all of a sudden converted into a right back, which was the weirdest thing ever. Um and then Norwich paid three hundred and fifty thousand for him. Shock horror, he went, you know, for a decent amount of cash after about seven games. I think we felt that was a little bit too cheap based on his potential. But then he went to Norwich and started off well played it right back, then Daniel Farker left and then he didn't. And then he went alone to Peterborough who got relegated and you thought mm, maybe what we saw in Bali wasn't wasn't actually what he was. And then he goes to Plymouth and he looks like one of your best players. Um, I'm delighted for him because he's he's from uh, the town I'm from, or the town I grew up in. I'm originally from Sunderland, but I, I grew up in South Shields. Um, and he was actually on loan at South Shields for a bit and I think he's from, I want to say he's from Heaven, which is like basically where my mum lives. Um and he seems like a really great kid. And I think he made his, his original debut as a sub. at just turned 16, I think, um, in the last game of the season against Wolves. And it was that horrible championship season, which, again, was played out on Netflix. And it was like the worst season in living memory. But he came on as um, a 16-year-old. And he came on for John O'Shea. And John O'Shea gave him the captain's armband. So officially was like the youngest ever something captain. And, and it felt like Bali Mumba would be like the the shining light or the, the kind of changing of the guard of all these like wasters like Jack Rodwell that had been to the club and Didier and Dong and these young bright talents were going to come through. It it didn't quite work like that or it, it certainly took a while to get to that point where we are now Um, and Bali unfortunately was probably a casualty of us being ran in my opinion really incorrectly and I think people can make their own mind up on what they've seen on, on Netflix which is kind of how, it, how I remember it quite well but delighted to see him doing well. It doesn't surprise us Um. I think you'll probably see when when Bali gets his his great goals for Plymouth or he gets Player of the Month or champ, uh, League One Player of the Month or gets an assist. You'll see all the Sunderland fans being like, "Get in, Bali! Well done! Like, great, good for you, kid!" Um, because we knew we had it, we knew we had the talent, and I think, and I really hope that he comes up to the championship we use next season and, and does a really good job. Um, it's good to see him getting game time. It's good to see him getting um 
loads of praise and it's good to see another academy graduate from Sunderland, if it's not with us, do really well at a good club. I was going to say, he's definitely going to play championship football next season, whether that's with us or back at Norwich, but hopefully we can find the, the cash down the back of the sofa and, and make it permanent. Um, yeah, he's not he's not the best defensively, but going forward, my God, what a player. Like, you know, absolutely brilliant pickup. You know, uh, if we can make that permanent, that'd be brilliant. Last but not least, obviously, as, you, as you've mentioned a few times, your love of League One football. Oh, Plymouth for me, I think. Um, it's weird, right? Because we were in League One for so long, it literally took me about five weeks to stop looking at the League One table. Like, I had to start realising that it didn't really matter what happened with MK Dons because um, we were now in the championship and it was completely irrelevant. And it sort of snuck up on me. Like, I was like, oh, I had to see Chef Weather doing all right, see Ipswich. And I was like, hang on a minute, Plymouth are like five points clear here. Um, and I think because we were there a lot longer, you do get a bit more invested and you do watch a bit more of the football than maybe you would do. Not that I'm a snob in any way, shape, or the form. Like, I watch anything, me. But um, I think you get a bit more invested because you got used to knowing the players. And obviously, my preview show that I did last year, I made loads of mates in League One and, and chat to loads of different fans. And I think, you won, I think you've won the last four. Um, either won the last four, Drew, Drew won, won the last four, something like that. You, you're unbeaten in about five games, I think. You're five points clear. Um, I know there's a couple of teams below you with a game in hand. Um, Chef Wed fans are not going to like me saying this. I know they're sat in second at the moment, but Chef Wed are going to be Sunderland. They're going to be there for a couple more years. And I hate to say that because I like Darren Moore and they've just beat Newcastle, but they're going to be there for a few more years. Um, you could, they're just That's the next Sunderland. I think they'll be there for a little bit longer. Ipswich looks like they're signing Nathan Broadhead, who we had last year. Great striker. I would have had him back at Sunderland. Um he was really pivotal to us getting promoted last season. I think he scored 10 goals in 20 games or 21 games or something like that. His injury record was absolutely shocking, but seems to have sorted out a little bit. He'll be a good signing for Ipswich. I think Ipswich have been there three or four years now, so it's probably their time, but they're seven points behind you with a game in hand, I think. Derby are far too far away. Bolton, Barnsley, Wickham, oh, they're, they're going to be looking at playoffs. Bristol, Rovers and the like. I, I think you'll go in one of the two spots. Don't see... I think if my prediction about Sheffield Wednesday is wrong, then my prediction for Ipswich is that they're going to be Sunderland. Sheffield or Ipswich are going to be Sunderland and stay there forever um, until they eventually get out and Plymouth are going to be absolutely fine. Yeah, to be honest for us, I, I don't think, in truth, I don't think any of us care if we go off as champions as long as we go up. Like, obviously, that trophy would look nice and it'd be great and, you know, happy days. But if we get pipped a couple of weeks before the end of the season, as long as it's not on the final day, we go up in seconds, fine by me, to be honest. Um, yeah. And as long as Ipswich stay down, so it's what it is. But uh, like I said, really appreciate you coming on, Graham, and, and thanks for seeing. There's absolutely loads of content there for uh, everybody to get well acquainted with Jay Matete, and, and hopefully we uh, we catch up again next season. Yeah, hopefully he does really, really well. I hope he does fantastic for you. Obviously, Bali's already doing that. Hopefully, he's. For our sake, does just as well and comes back a much better player. I'm pretty certain you look after him because obviously you, you, you seem to be putting something together there with all the team that you have up past couple years, despite losing your manager. So it um, seems like it's a really good club to go for. So we hope he does really well. I really appreciate you coming on and getting us in. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.